CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. Uh, we're going to see if my microphone's working this time. Tim Graham from The Athletic here, along with Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. And you can see his smiling face there. It's John Vogel of The Athletic. He covers the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, wanted to have John on for two reasons. Number one, Sabres are fun to watch lately. Number two, John just posted his periodic Sabres fan survey results, which uh, always pretty cool to take a look and see what the fans are thinking and where they might be surprising you, where we might be misreading the pulse. I have to say, John, they seem pretty realistic uh, in terms, uh, and we'll get into some of the, uh, you know, some of the 23 questions, but um, thanks for joining the show. Always a pleasure to see both of you guys. We're like wearing your red for Dingus Day, and yeah. we are scheduling this so you can get out to the festivities. So can you – oh, speaking of festivities, let's set the table. Jonah Bronstein's 40th birthday today. It's Dingus Day. <laughs> uh, everybody's got some sort of celebration to do. Uh, John's getting ready to go out for Dingus Day. Jonah's got a big wrestling match he's going to go watch tonight at the arena. Um. John, what are what are your Dingus Day? Uh, what's your, what's the roadmap of of how John Vogel tackles Dingus Day? Just get the beer ready, and if it's a warm day, warm obviously warm is much better um, because the parade is outside. Just fill up a cooler, sit outside on the sidewalk, and it's one of the few times in Buffalo of the year where you can just have open containers all day long, and no one gives a f um so you just sit you can there say whatever drink. you want on this podcast hi no one gives a fuck if you're drinking beer out in the street then um so you just That's go true. out there have some sodas today i'm just gonna swing by get some of the uh broadway market beer and wine samples and listen to some music and then i'll probably be home once the rain starts because i'm old and don't like it when it's 40 and rainy no squirt guns or pussy willows or any of that behavior for you N no not for me it's funny the uh one of my most memorable dingus day was, was in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Sabres were playing there and it was me and Kevin snow who worked for the Sabres at the time. And that's the only time I think I've ever really gotten hit or squirted. I can't remember which one you're supposed to, but yeah, there was a little, we found a little Polish bar in Pittsburgh and had a good time. And then it, it was <laughs> thinking back, the Sabres actually ended up signing someone or making a trade that day. And Kevin snow and I had to join the, uh, I probably shouldn't say this out loud for Kevin's purposes, but I, too late. I already started the story. So we did the uh, phone conference after having a few sodas in it. So uh, most of it was just listening and writing rather than chiming in on what Darcy had to say, Darcy Regeer. But anyway, that's one of the memorable thing days. 
what have you found in your travels about Dingus Day? I, I grew up in Cleveland and had a lot of family lived in Parma, which is essentially Cleveland's Chictawaga. And my brother was actually the superintendent of Parma schools for a period. And nobody there knows anything about it. Yeah, Cleveland's never, not that far away. Right. I, we were surprised to find anywhere in Pittsburgh. I thought it was basically just a Buffalo thing. Um, I'm not even Polish, so I didn't. All I know about it is it's a good chance to go outside and drink. But uh, the uh, yeah, we were surprised. We found a place in Pittsburgh. It was pretty full and it was a good day. But yeah, I don't think it's too big outside of our town anyway. You're wearing red. However, it's not uh, it's not just any red sweatshirt. What's up with uh, what's up with this red? If you can explain to the uh, the folks who are listening slash watching UNLV. Um, I graduated from high school in 1991, showing my age. Um, but my junior and senior year, I was big into college basketball and basketball in general. And the running rebels were it. My favorite team I've ever watched. Um just everything I could name everybody from Travis Bice and H Waldman up to obviously the big guys, Larry Johnson and Stacy Ogman. And you can, I, it was just such a good time those two years. So yeah, I like to think back and have fun with that. As you know, H Waldman, <laughs> whose name was not H period. His name was actually H yep. <laughs> the letter H that was his entire first name. I wonder if that causes problems at like TSA, you know, or, you know, when you're, checking into a hotel or something like that. Do they maybe not accept it? That's a good question. You can't get out of plane because you're, you don't have enough letters in your first name. <laughs> well, no, you got an abbreviation and they're going to say, well, no, we need to have your full name on this, on this ticket. What's your full name? Your tickets, everything has to match. And so, you know, I'm guessing you probably get your passport checked to see if it's legitimate every now and then like uh, McLovin. It just said McLovin, you know, you're going to get examined a little bit. Why an organ donor? Right. You can't, just, you can't just say you're TGAF on the plane and think they know what that means. You got to spell it all out. Yes, usually. TJF has a lot of power to it, though. A lot of TGAF vibes. I mean, people are stopping me. I mean, they're, they're all saying it. Everybody's saying it. John, your survey, 23 questions, uh, rather than just go down one by one, uh, what were the ones that jumped out to you uh, that uh, maybe were a surprise or validated uh, your, your uh, faith in humanity? Um, <laughs> well, if I go that far with anything, but uh, the, uh, the, there was a few that I was interested to see. When will the Sabres make the playoffs? Um, was one that I was really interested in because obviously people are feeling good uh, as they should be at the moment. Uh, it looks like they're finally turning a corner here. So I knew people would be optimistic and sure enough, eight out of 10 picked a five or a four out of five for being optimistic. Um, but the, when will the Sabres make the playoffs more? The majority of people voted uh, 2023 and 24 as the next time. So they're not expecting the playoffs next year. Um, which is probably a good idea. I mean, there's still some growing to do for this team. Um, Tampa Bay, Toronto, um, Florida, I don't see them being better than them next year still. Um, but two years, I think, is the correct timeline. And it was interesting to see that the fans pretty much agreed on that because uh, as optimistic as they were, they stayed grounded in when this uh, team's going to make the playoffs again. Yeah, that was the one that stood out to me most of all. Um, 66.5% said not next season. I mean, just to kind of put it into, mm -hmm. you know, a, 
you know, uh, for some for some context or I mean, to, to zoom out a little bit. That's a that's a lot um, that I think, especially with you asking at a time when everything looks a lot, everything is in stark contrast to the misery that Sabres fans have experienced. Uh, well, for the past decade, but also especially just as as recently as last year, um, the fact that the that the season ticket base is as low as it is. There's only been one sellout so far, and it had to be a special night to pull that off. Um, but the excitement in watching games again uh, is there, and people are talking about the Sabers. That is something that I hear quite a bit about. It used to just be nothing but bills, but now people want to watch the Sabres. And I thought that the answer to that question would be inflated just because people are a little, a little giddy about what they're seeing. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm, yeah, that was the first one that came to mind. Cause, uh, and then I was also interested to see how many people were uh, thinking of buying ticket packages next year, either full or partial. And uh, that's the one thing that's continued as much as, much as people are talking about the Sabres, as much as they're optimistic about the Sabres, people just aren't buying tickets yet. Anyway, Saturday night was just another example. The place was a third full uh, on a Saturday night. There's not, there wasn't much else going on. I know it's a holiday weekend and some people might be in Florida and whatnot, but a lot of people have visitors too. So, Hey, let's go to the Sabres game. They're playing well, have fun. No, didn't work. Um, Only a third of the building was full. And as a, you know, as a reporter, it's, that's not great. You want to be part of an event um, and nothing against the crowd that was there. They were into it. That's the one thing this season, the 8,000 people or so who show up are into it. They're having a good time. It's just, you'd rather be in a place with 19,000 than 8,000. So uh, it's a little disappointing, but Hey, they're, I don't know what they're going to have to do to sell tickets. I think that's the big thing that Sabres have to figure out this summer is how to translate optimism and excitement into ticket sales. Question number 13, I also like the response to that because it showed restraint. Uh, question 13, should the Sabres make a splash in free agency? 69% said no. And usually I think, well, I don't want to say usually, but my thinking would be that in an anonymous online poll, you have to be thinking, shit, it's not my money or whatever. <laughs> like, hell yeah, let's do something fun. But they, there was some restraint showed, uh, shown by the fans who voted. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's even more interesting when you consider the Sabres are rock bottom payroll. I mean, it's not like they're up against the cap where spending is going to is going to hurt them. I mean, they're at the they had to add on an injured player with a six million dollar salary just to get to the floor. So, I mean, they have twenty two million dollars to spend and people don't want them to do it this summer because I think they realize they're more than one or two pieces away. Um, They saw them spend freely a decade ago and obviously it didn't work. Um, so I think they're going to wait. The fans are okay with seeing this team wait until Jack Quinn's got a couple of years under his belt, JJ Paterka. And then after that, then you go and strike and find that one or two pieces that can put them over the edge. So that's interesting. That was interesting to see. I'm wondering if I could sidetrack here a little bit, how these things kind of tie in together. Cause I think it was about 3000 respondents on your survey on the athletic and probably they're all people that subscribe to the athletic. Right. Or I would assume. Right? Athletic yeah. readers. Um, I'm just wondering if, um, you know, if that's reflective of the whole fan base that they're willing to wait a year for the team to contend for the playoffs and make a splash in free agency, and that if something like that needs to happen in order to sell tickets, do they need a free agent signing that helps them sell tickets, or do they need the belief that we're making a run for the playoffs or even something more this year to get the fans 
back or does that 3000 reflect the whole 30, 40, 50,000 potential ticket buying fan base? Yeah, that's a good question. But I, I think the people who fill these out are the diehard fans, just because that's only a fraction of our Saber subscriber base. And that happens every time. It's really only a fraction of our base, but it's all these polls usually get around 3000. So I think it's the real diehards who want their voice heard. And I think those that's kind of the people who would be in the ticket buying uh, area. So I'm sure that doesn't speak to everyone out there, but I think it is the fans who really care about this team. And when 71% of them say, no, I'm not going to bother to get any, get a season ticket package of any sort. I think that does say something, but we'll see. It's like what they're saying is we're happy with another season like this one. Yeah. At least one more. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know if this is uh, how accurate this is, but it seems to make sense is that if you are the type of person who's going to pay for your Sabres coverage, uh, a little extra than just get it for free. You're probably the type of person who is that dedicated of a fan that you need your Sabres. You need your Sabres uh, coverage more so than I'm just going to get by, you know, s- scrolling through Twitter or, you know, checking out NHL.com or watching, you know, ESPN or whatever, which I guess you can say this year, you couldn't say in years past, you can't actually turn on and see a show every now and then on ESPN that, that uh, takes a look at the, the world of hockey. Um, but yeah, if you're subscribing for your news, then I think that makes you a more discerning fan. I don't know. There's maybe, maybe not. That's just a thought. Well, yeah, no, I guess. And, and maybe there's no answer to this question, but I wanted to hear what John thought. Is there a, another 3000 or, or whatever, is there a different demographic of Sabres, potential Sabres fans and Buffalo sports fans that, that would have a different kind of take about what they want and need from this team? in order to get back in the building and bring back that energy. So the energy is there, but more volume of people and more butts in the seats, if you will. Yeah. It seems that an energy is being captured and you can go back to Jack Eichel's return with the Las Vegas, I'm sorry, the Vegas golden Knights. Um, and that carried over a few weeks later with the Rick Jenneret night. And then the game after that, John, help my memory. Wasn't there yeah. a home game shortly after that in which it was a there was some excitement in the building, but they didn't win. But at least there was a crowd. Well, it wasn't the next or a kids' day or there something. There was a there was a kids' day after that, but uh, yeah, the game the game right after Rick Jenner at night was a downer, just because you're coming off this big high, and it was against Florida, I believe, the next one, and it was just a back to the old stale arena so there wasn't an actual but there have been some good nights in there yeah that was i think the third biggest crowd of the year to date so and maybe it was a coincidence it was a sunday it was kids day but it seemed like maybe the buzz from friday night brought a few more people in the door that day the sabers got beat by however many goals and maybe that ruined that but yeah florida's good Florida's good, but it's funny. I mean, we talk about, and there is no doubt. I mean, it does seem like there's been a little bit of an uptick. I mean, at least now they're announcing 11,000 ticket sales instead of 9,000 ticket sales. Um, But a reminder, A, that's not actual attendance, but also 11,000 ticket sales from 1971 to 2002 and 2004 to 2020. That would be the worst crowd of the year. I mean, as good as it is, it seems in this climate, for 50 years of this franchise, that would be awful. That would be the worst crowd of the season without a doubt, unless there was a snowstorm, obviously, but it's uh, so they have a long way to go. I mean, 
2002-2003, that was uh, the bankruptcy time. That was post-Dominic Hasek, pre-Briere Drury kicking in, all those young players arriving. It was, you know, Stu Barnes is your best player on a nightly basis. Uh, Curtis Brown in a starring role. Uh, it was not great. And, but I do recall those those crowds when – as I covered that team, I want to say they were 12, 13 and occasionally you'd get a nine. And that was when you really felt like you were watching minor league hockey or that you were, you know, you were not in an NHL building anymore when, when there were 9,000 people there. And that's, that's your norm. That's what, that's what you guys have gotten used to both of you, you know, covering and going to the arena every night, I guess it helps at least when it comes time to go home, you don't have to worry about fighting through traffic. I don't know. I mean, you got you to sit and write anyway, yeah. if you feel like it. Well, there was one game. I just did a quick briefs about it rather than a full story. And yeah, there was, a, there was it was, they were still cleaning up by, uh, in the hallways and everything. And yeah, there was only a few cars left and no, it was easy to get out. Yeah. Who should be the next captain next year? That was one of the questions in John Vogel's 23 question poll. And uh, Alex Tuck, at 70%, Kyle Aposo at 23%, but it seems based on what we're hearing from Don Granado lately, I don't want to say, I mean, it's not like it's a campaign, but Don Granado really does go out of his way to make sure he lets people know how much he loves Kyle Aposo. Uh, and I don't know. I think that that might be your next captain next year, even though everybody loves the Alex Tuck storyline and he grew up a Sabres fan and he knows what it means and all that stuff. But I'd also like to say that Kyle Aposo has gone through the suffering, you know, that it, to the, the, the idea that he's actually got the scars of being a saber through, through such a horseshit period in, in the organization's existence and still has all the respect of his, his coaches and his teammates and the fans might say more than just because Alex Tuck used to be a Sabres fan. But I know that the, I know that, the, that folks enjoy that. And because there are so it's so rare that it's like, Oh my God, this guy wants to be here. But obviously, so does Calaposo. What, what were your thoughts on the captain on on the captain discussion? Because it seems to be for a long time a, a one horse race. Yeah. Um, first, while you're talking about Kyle and Don, I was just looking up the quote from uh, the game Saturday night. Don Granada said he is without question our biggest leader. There is no doubt he has an immense presence in everything we do. So yes, Don Granado is all in on Kyle Pozo, as you said. Um, the captaincy question is an interesting one in the fact of are they going all in in the future or are they still a little bit in the present? Because Kyle Acroso has one more year on his contract. Um, so if you give him the captaincy, then you might have to give someone else the captaincy in 2024 because he's might not resign. He might leave. He might retire. Who knows? He'll be 35. Isn't he point. building a house here, though? He lives. He's he settling down. Yeah. I mean, he's settling down. He's not going anywhere. It's just a question of. At 35, will he want to keep playing? I mean, obviously, we all know he's gone through a lot. And now that he's proven himself, how much more does he? I don't know. We'll see. We'll get to that bridge in a couple of years, I guess. But it's uh, a situation where it seems like uh, maybe the answer is would be closer to hell. Yeah, I want to play a few more years uh, if if you were to ask him today as opposed to five months ago. Yeah, because he's had a pretty good year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's this resurgence has been one of the biggest stories aside from Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and, but there's a few stories, but anyway, uh, I think that is the question. If they think Kyle's going to be here only one more year, 
do they still give him the captaincy or are they ready? Cause Alex Tuck is signed for, what is it? Four or five more years. And then if you give him the C, you know, you're starting a new era and staying with that era for a while. So I think that might go into what they do with the captaincy. The uh, one thing that's interesting with Tuck, um, I'm not sure if he's worn an A yet. It's possible he's had the A on his jersey. Uh, the two A's all the time are Gergensen's and Akpozo. Uh The other night, Darlene had it on. Darlene's been wearing the A quite a bit. I'm not sure if Tuck's worn it yet. So that I don't know if that says anything about what the organization thinks going forward with the C, but uh, Darlene might be in the mix and obviously Kyle. So we'll see. Your survey also reveals uh, a little bit more about the popularity of Don Granado. 93% on a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the highest. 93% of your respondents gave him a four or a five uh, in terms of the job that he's been doing. Um, This question came up at the bar a couple of nights ago, and uh, I'd like your thoughts on it. In fact, Joan, I don't know if you're in on this conversation, so obviously join in, but what if, how, how would things be different if Jack Eichel got to play for Don Granado? And we didn't have that period of Ralph Kruger just totally destroying all joy uh, out of watching hockey. It's amazing to me whenever Ralph gets brought up, there's, I don't think any outsider, I don't think any hockey person would disagree that he was awful coach. Just an awful coach. And it's still mind boggling to me that these guys like him and even love him still. I mean, as a person, they, you won't find anyone in that lock. Well, maybe Jeff Skinner, but uh, some other guys, there's other guys that say, Hey, he's still a great guy. Um, I, I liked him. And it's amazing to me that he could ruin their careers for two years and people would still like him. I mean, if someone, some people have ruined my career for two years and I don't like them anymore. <laughs> so um, I don't know how these, how the players still give Ralph kudos, but uh, it would have been fun last year to have Don Granado at the start. I mean, they had some offensive weapons with Eichel and Taylor Hall and the way Don Granado embraces offense compared to the way Kruger insisted on defensive principles. I think it would have been fun to watch. Um, I don't even know where to go with whether it would have made a difference though, because would he have still hurt his neck with the Sabres of still? Right. But yeah, but anyway, it would have been more fun to watch those guys with Don than with Ralph for sure. Cause I, and, cause that leads me to the, Oh, did you have something, John? I'm sorry. No, I, well, I just, John actually pretty much said what I would have thought, but that, you know, Jack Eichel seemed like he got along well and, and responded to that first season with Ralph Kruger. He, that went better than his relationship. It seemed with Dan Bowsma or Phil Housley. Um, and some of the rumblings that, you know, Jack might not have wanted them to come back as coaches. And I don't think we heard that with Ralph Kruger and Jack was out of the lineup by the time, you know, it seemed like the end was near with Ralph Kruger. But, and as you said, I, I think it would have been more interesting if Jack Eichel didn't get hurt and he had to play under Don Granado and, and with this team with a different mix and different vibes early this season. And if he would have, uh, you know, responded well to that and said, you know, I, I don't want to get traded and I do want to stick around. But also, uh, you know, the Sabres were ready to trade Jack Eichel, I think, in many ways, too. You know, that era had to end for this new era to start, I think. If you were able to inject Rasmus Dahlin with some truth serum, what do you think his opinion of Ralph Kruger would be? 
he actually got asked about him not long ago, and he's one of the guys who continued to say he he liked him. I mean, it's it's intriguing. Um, I I think give he seems like a pretty honest cat. He doesn't say a lot, but it, he's not. I don't think. Uh, I think he still at times feels around from Swedish to English. So he like there's a lot of those guys who are working on the language that don't know how to bullshit yet because yeah, it's, they, hard to, it's hard to fib in your second language if you yes. don't know the nuance of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think they liked him. I think he also realizes that at least I hope he realizes that his career would not be going in the trajectory it's going if Ralph were still here. Yeah. And I think that uh, the Jack Eichel trade uh, factors into the response to the same question about Kevin Adams, uh, one being the worst, five being the best. 78% of respondents say that they like the job that Kevin Adams is doing. Uh, they gave him a four or a five, I should say. 78% a four or a five on that scale. Um, however, doesn't Tage Thompson's evolution this year change the discussion on Jason Bottrell? And how much should it? I don't, I'm, that's a good question because was Tage the centerpiece of the deal? It depends on who you asked for it or talked to at the time. Like Tage was probably their third best prospect at the time. There was a couple other guys that people said, oh, why didn't we get this guy? Why didn't the Sabres get that guy instead of Tage Thompson? Now, if Jason Botterill wanted Tage Thompson and insisted on, hey, include Tage Thompson in this deal, then yes, he deserves a lot more credit than uh, you should get for seeing that. If it was a case of the Blues said no when Bader asked for this guy, no for that guy, and then they just threw in Thompson, then I don't know how much credit he gets. Um, but that that group of the Bader era, they they draft they drafted well, and in this case, the trade looks a lot better than it did at the time. That's for sure. John, what's your sense on the Sabres uh, heading into next year? We know what the fans think. They are not expecting the playoffs next season, but you're feeling it. You're there every day. You've covered all the games. I guess just what's a, what's your gut telling you? What is your, what's just your hunch on where this team is about turning a corner? Uh, are they, are they clear? Are they, or is this smoke and mirrors? I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this can go. There's no guarantees based on uh, based on what we've seen, and the fans seem to be taking it in that in that way. But but you're there. What do you think? Yeah, I've been on record multiple times saying next year's they're going to contend for a playoff spot, but they I don't think next year's the playoff year. I mean, just for the part of the reasons I laid out earlier, they won't be better than Florida. They won't be better than Toronto. They won't be better than Tampa Bay. And there's only four spots in most years. There's only four spots per division. What are we so talking that, about? 20, 25 points they have to make up? Well, let's see. I'm looking at them now. Florida has 114. Toronto's got 106. Tampa's got 100. Boston's got 97. The Sabres have 69. So they're still 30 points back of a playoff spot. And then plus you've got Detroit and Ottawa right in the mix with the Sabres. Um, so they're in the same division. They'll, they're both also improving a little bit. So I don't think there will be three or four hundred point teams in the division next year because it won't be as, as top heavy. Um, but I don't think the Sabres are quite yet ready to make the leap towards the top. But they should be they sh 
games that in March will matter, which is what people wanted um, for a long time. And I, I think they will next year. What if this is just kind of a hot take here, but what if 10 teams make the playoffs next year and there's a play in tournament Sabres, if that was the case now, they'd only be, I think seven points out of being that 10th team if they did the NBA model. Yeah, yeah, should they, the NHL do that? I, I love the idea because it's creating, you're concocting it, yes, but you're concocting hockey at its purest. You know, the NBA, I don't, those play in games, yes, it's win or get in or, or you know, how it is, um, you know, the way that little mini bracket works. But it's, you're essentially creating a game, game seven situation out of nowhere. Go ahead. You, you're not going to make it. You wouldn't have made it anyway. So here you go. One, one last game be fun to watch i mean it's and three on three the entire way right no, I'm, I'm kidding about <laughs> I know, it i know um it's it's almost hard like obviously we remember what the playoffs were like especially the especially the 0506 year but it's almost now that you're sitting here talking about it i'm having a hard time really remembering just how amazing it feels to be in a playoff game in a playoff atmosphere so, yes, if they were to expand that atmosphere and get more teams and more fan bases to enjoy it, that's, there should be nothing wrong with that, I would think, yeah. Would Sabres fans appreciate that or want that? Because I know I think there were t- at times during the Bills drought and there was discussions about the NFL expanding the playoffs a- as they have done since, and fans would say, we don't want the Bills to make the playoffs as the third wild card or the seventh seed. There was almost some kind of ego, self-worth wrapped into it that we had to – really end the playoff shot now kind of get snuck in as an extra team or the NHL, you know, when they expanded and the, and the Sabres still missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been a cheap way right. to get in last year when there was 24 teams and yeah, and they still didn't get it though. So, <laughs> but that would have been a cheap way to end, end the drought. Yeah. But John, do you want to talk wrestling with Jonah? I mean, he's going to the show tonight. I don't know. I don't want to get in the way of your guys. If you, if you want to talk wrestling. Are there any matches? I know there's a yeah, good. Who's on the card? I know there's a good women's tag team match, right? Bianca or not Bianca? Um, Sasha Banks. And- yeah, I actually don't know. They're advertising something like that, and you know what they do with a lot of these. So it's a television taping for Monday Night Raw, and then when the television show ends, they're going to put on a big match for the fans. That's kind of just to send everybody home happy, but it's not. It's not like that match it doesn't exist in storyline and canon. It's kind of just there to, and be an entertainment. So it could be, you know, anything can happen. And I haven't looked up. Sometimes you can go online and see what's going to happen in wrestling before it happens. And I haven't necessarily done that with this show tonight. Yeah. I'm looking at prediction I can make is that I'm going to spend way too much money on 24 ounce cans of beer that, you know, probably cost $24. (laughs) Where on your rush, put a pin up. It's my birthday. Buy me a beer. See if how many yeah, people that's buy not it. a bad idea. Right, that's, right, right. Yeah. But I'm looking at uh, there's Austin Theory versus Finn Balor for the U.S. title. Oh, there you go. Um, the women's tag team. That's the one. Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. Uh, but then, as you said, the TV ones, there's always some interesting swerves. So there's a lie detector test <laughs> with Kevin Owens and Ezekiel slash Elias. Um, there's a, this is kind of the reason I may not end this up the, going. This um, is that known as a Mori Povich match. It's which, the lie detector, the lie, detect- the lie detector, uh, <laughs> match or it still sounds better than this. There is a Dana Brooke and Reggie 
and uh, Tamina and someone I don't know, Tazawa, uh, to be joined together by our truth in a double commitment ceremony. Uh, oh, that's, tonight. <laughs> that's tonight. So that's a good uh, half hour that you could stand in the beer line, probably. You know um, what I hope doesn't happen? So I went to a Monday Night Raw years and years ago when I was in high school, 20 something years ago, and they did some facocta thing where Vince McMahon got arrested. And they did all these backstage filming segments. But you're sitting in the arena watching that on the screen on TV while they do all of that in the back. Like, you want the action to happen in the ring out in front of you. That's why you bought a ticket. Yeah, true story. Yeah. How do you spell Fakakta? <laughs> Starts with an F. <laughs> Any idea? Tim Graham and Fakakta. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could take a stab at it, but um, like Hanukkah and a lot of these Yiddish words, there's multiple spellings. F-A-K-A-C-H-T-A, what is A C H T A? That's how I do it. What is the best wrestling show you've seen live, or the best thing you've seen in wrestling live? Either of you? There was a show. It was I can't remember. I think it was Armageddon. That might have been the aforementioned Kevin Snow. He and I used to go to a lot of wrestling matches. In addition to our Dingus Day activities, um, it was a pay per view in Buffalo. I think it was Armageddon. It might have been back. I don't think it was Backlash. I think it was called Armageddon. And we left there saying that might have been the best thing we spent money on. Cause you think Sabres games at this, at the time, this was when the Sabres were still filling the house and there was a lot of excitement. We were thinking, and you look down Sabres fans stand up and cheer, what, four, five times at most. We were up and down 10 times at the least, at least. Cause there was moments that night where you're like, Holy cow. And you just get up and I just got pulled out of your seat. Cause it was such a fun event. So that's the first one that comes to mind. That was a, that was a good night. And who's in that? Who's on that card? Like, what are I'll some? Try, I'll look it up while uh, Jonah's chatting. Okay. Some... How about you, Jonah? Well, so I haven't been to many events. Like, I went to a few when I was younger as, as a kid in high school. I, nostalgically, I remember going to an old event at the Niagara Falls Convention Center, and that was pretty cool because you were closer to the ring. Did you just go to a show in Rochester, though? Well, yeah. So I I went to a show in Rochester, and I'm going tonight because my brother's gotten into wrestling quite a bit, and so it's kind of something we've done a little bit lately and the show in Rochester, that was going to be my uh, answer because it was an AEW show in Rochester. It was pretty good. It was pretty entertaining. I wasn't quite into the in-ring action quite as much as some of the other people there or understand everything that was going on, but it was a tribute show for uh, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, who was John Huberman's real name, who was from Rochester and had died about a year earlier. And this was their first time coming to Rochester with his family and his son. And the stuff that happened after the show and the tribute aspect of it uh, with Cody Rhodes and, and things like that, it was a real touching that, – that felt a bit like an event. It was the first time AEW had ever had a show in Rochester, and they did that tribute, and it was a – and a lot, pretty much everybody there was from Buffalo or Rochester and knew what was going on. So that was kind of cool to be in the building for. Where do these people hang out when they're in town? Because you can't hide as a so professional wrestler. One thing I do know is, like, they a lot of them go to the gym. So if you know, like, muscle heads or whatever, they'll either have a story about a wrestler coming in and working out in there, or people are kind of trying to guess what gym. Like, I'm going to a CrossFit gym before the game downtown at the Seneca Tower, and I hope Seth Rollins or one of these guys pops in for a workout. That would be kind of neat. Who was on your card, John? I found the card. Uh, There was eight matches. Um, I'll just go in the order. They list them here. Uh, There was a tag team match with The Miz and Morrison 
uh, versus a couple guys named Jesse and Festus. I remember Festus. I don't remember Jesse. So it started a little slow. Um, there was a big Russian guy in the next match. Vladimir Kozlov beat Matt Hardy. Uh, and then it picked up after this. CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, Mark Henry with Tony Mr. USA Atlas against Finley. Uh, Randy Orton versus Batista with Cody Rhodes in the uh, Randy Orton's corner. Jeez. Um, there was a eight diva Santa's little helper tag team match. Cause it was around Christmas time. Yeah. This was in 2008. So this was right after the Sabres had those two great seasons, but uh, it was Michelle McCool, Maria Kelly, Kelly, and Mickey James defeated Maurice, Jillian Hall, Victoria, and Natalia. Uh, and then you got John Cena, John Cena defeating Chris Jericho by submission. Gee, and then, I know these people that means those are big yeah. names. And then there's a triple threat for the WWE championship, which was Jeff Hardy beating edge and triple H. So, I mean, at the time, these are the names, those are, yeah, those are, there's a bunch of hall of famers on that list. So yeah, looking back, that was just a great night of fun. You guys should, Vogel, you should get two tickets and bring Tim along and introduce him to, I would go, I I have no problem problem going with it. I'm not, I'm not huge into it, but I appreciate it. I understand, I understand the allure. They had a house show in right after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, and we took our nephews for the first time. They're six and eight, and they come over and use uh, our son's old wrestling guys when they come over, and they had a good time. I mean, the house shows, there's only a few thousand there, but it was it was fun. I mean, they they made it fun, and like Jonah said, the best some of the best moments tonight will come after Raw goes off the air because it will be a good match at 11, and they play to the crowd a little more for that one. So, And one thing I'd say to Tim or somebody who – is a bit of a casual fan and maybe hasn't been paying close attention the last few years is how incredible women's wrestling and the performances yeah. with some of the women's stars has gotten over the last three, four, five years. They're really in some ways the biggest stars in the company and the best matches at WrestleMania or whatnot uh, will be a women's match. Maybe not more often than not, but it, it's as likely that the women's performance is going to be better than the men's as it is the other way around. Why don't you tell John about the uh, women's wrestling we saw at Libation Station last night? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, I ran into an old friend from high school and she had a friend there and they were getting a little handsy. And I, I think it came out. Uh, to a I think there also was a, there was a strong element of of needing to hold each other up was. It was like less than anyone think that this was you know purely erotic. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was for balance mostly. We should have our friend Greg the AD on because he's a former wrestling coach and he could That's right. break down all there. the different techniques he was watching closely, I think. He was there. Um, John, anything else you want to talk about? No, that was good. Yeah. Be safe out there on Dingus Day. I will. I will. And yeah. um, hopefully you get a lot of comments about your UNLV sweatshirt. <laughs> uh, hopefully uh, the name Dave Rice uh is mentioned to you today remember dave rice is he a player yeah oh i thought i remembered everyone i don't remember dave rice he was a walk-on he was okay he was there to uh raise the uh gpa uh, (laughs) but ended up being unlv's head coach uh eventually okay um well now i feel bad i ended the show with not knowing somebody from my favorite team well hang on i'll look it up you guys talk amongst yourselves i'm going to look up the unlv team 
I moved to Las Vegas in 95 and it was still like the hangover of Tarkanian and Raleigh Massimino. Well, Raleigh Massimino just robbed the school blind because they were obviously a big time program, you know, national championship, almost undefeated. Uh, and then what are we talking here, John? 1990? Uh, 90. Yeah. 91. The 90, team was the one that lost to Duke. So the 89-90 team is what we're looking at. Okay, so um, so yeah, it, they were still. It was Bill Baino was the head coach, and and guys were, um, you know, there was still this belief that you know, we deserve to compete, and it was just it was the beginning of the downfall of UNLV realizing, okay, we're we're just not that special of a school. You know, we're not going to be North Carolina of the West, uh, or uh, we're not going to be a, another UCLA. Yeah, Dave Rice. He was uh, came off Every, the bench and uh, he was a freshman. I'll cut you some slack. He played in only 16 games. He averaged uh, 1.1 points a game, <laughs> but I'm glad I got one on you. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. And I thought throwing Travis Bice and H Waldman out would give me some cred, but I don't know that guy. <laughs> H Waldman wasn't on that team. How about that? He maybe he came a year later. He must have been on the 90. I got the 90 91 team up. Yeah, he was definitely on there. H. H. He averaged 2.1 points per game. Yeah, he was a big shot, big, big shot recruit. Ended up transferring to St. Louis. Um, I don't know if that would have been uh, Rick Majerus. No, that was pre. That was pre Rick Majerus. Rick Majerus was at Utah then. Anyways, anyway. we're good. We've, we've totally derailed. <laughs> Uh, John, enjoy Dingus Day. Join uh, Jonah, enjoy uh, your 40th birthday and the wrestling. And uh, before we let uh, before we uh, let the, the audience go, let me just remind everybody, as I'm prone to do towards the end of the podcast, to check out Amherst Pizza and Ale House at 55 Cross Point Parkway in Getzville. That's right off of Millersport Highway in the 990. All the college and pro action you want, the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, baseball starting up, and uh, you can bet on all these games. So you want a place that has a ton of TVs, just as Amherst Pizza and Ale House does uh, on the patio outside also. Uh, recognized by ESPN.com as Western New York's top spot to watch sports. A lot of energy there, as I always like to say. Uh, stop in or call for takeout and delivery, 716-625-7100. One more time, 716-625-7100, Amherst Pizza and Ale House. Drop an H. Waldman question in there for, you know, as a, you know, bet somebody for drinks. They can remember H. Waldman's real first name. <laughs> the answer being H. Uh, John Vogel, thank you for doing this. Jonah Bronstein, happy birthday. And thank you for everyone out there, uh, everyone out there for listening and watching. Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400.
716-630-2400 or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. We'll be right back.